Praise God. You know, we don't usually make much of holidays here. Uh, we, we just sort of plow forward with, with the kingdom of God stuff. Um, a lot of churches are built around holidays, but, but we hardly acknowledge them. But I really feel like, given the burden, the vision that the Lord has put on our hearts about being a countercultural preview of heaven that manifests the diversity of Christ, I want to say just a brief word about Martin Luther King Day. Uh, something that's just on my heart. And maybe the way to start this would be this way. I, when I was at Princeton, uh, I, as a teaching assistant, I had a student in one of the classes who came from Johannesburg, South Africa. And this is the early 80s when apartheid was really uh, becoming a central controversy. It had been a controversy for a long time, but it was really getting into the press. And there was some, uh, a lot of uh, tension going on. And I asked him about apartheid and what was it like growing up in Johannesburg, which is kind of the center of the whole thing, and, and is it as bad as the media makes it sound and things like that. And this young man said, well, you know what, I, I grew up in, in Johannesburg and I honestly didn't see any of that stuff. I think your media is kind of blowing it up. Oh, you, we've got some, you know, loud, a loud minority there that, that uh, is very vocal and they get all the attention, but it's really not that bad and it's not nearly as harsh as, as oh, there's some problems for sure, but it's not really all that terrible. I was kind of surprised at that. I was like, whoa, really? And you grew up there? Huh. He thought it was a liberal media in the States, just making a mountain out of a molehill. Several years later, I had a chance to speak with a visiting professor that was from the University of South Africa in Johannesburg, who also grew up in Johannesburg and was a civil rights activist. And I asked him the same question. Tell me about South Africa. Tell me about apartheid. I hear it's not nearly as bad as our press makes it out to be. And the man immediately got indignant. He was just furious. Where did you hear that? And I said, well, from uh, you know, a person who grew up in Johannesburg. He says, well, is he white? And I said, well, yeah. He goes, see, that's the problem. The problem is that when you're white, you don't even have to notice what's all around you because it doesn't affect you. That's what it means to be in a position of power and privilege. And as I began to think about that, I began to notice how easy it is to not notice things. You know, the, the, dec- the signers of the Declaration of Independence... Uh, that said we, we declare these truths to be self-evident, that all people are created equal, and that there's rights, everybody has the right to, to life, liberty, liberty and, and happiness, the pursuit of happiness. They didn't notice, apparently, that when they were signing this, it didn't apply to 80% of the population in America. You had to be white, you had to be male, and you had to be a landowner for those equal opportunities that are self-evident to apply to you. Did not they see the contradiction there? Some of them were slave owners. Did not they see the contradiction uh, in their words? And the Christian South, before the Civil War, didn't anyone notice uh, the, the contradiction of the gospel they were proclaiming and the fact that they were owning and sometimes beating to death slaves, killing thousands, shipping them over here? Didn't, didn't it occur to them? And didn't it occur to... Christians in the South, and, and, and really we can make it broader than that, it's a national thing. Even in the 50s where it was against the law for a black person not to offer up their seat to a white person if there wasn't another seat uh, available. And Rosa Parks was arrested in 1954 for not doing that. You see, the, the, the point is this. It's easy for us human beings not to notice what doesn't directly affect us, what doesn't adversely affect us. And when you're in a position of privilege and power, you just, if it's normal to you, you don't have to notice what's going on all around you. 
You see, what, what, what Martin Luther King did, among many other things, is he, he, he called us to notice. To notice. Called us, I'm speaking primarily to white folks here, to notice. You see, I don't have to notice. That's what it means to be white. I don't have to notice a lot of things. I don't have to notice that the greeting cards I'm looking for, uh, you know, they all apply to me, but if I'm a person of color, it's going to be really hard to find a greeting card that looks like the person I want to send it to. I don't have to notice things like that. I don't have to worry about the motives of a policeman pulling me over. I don't have to think about uh, whether or not I'm in the right part of town or not, or whether or not I'm going to be followed when I walk into a, a Dayton store. Those are things that don't affect me, you see. They, they, and, and so I don't have to be aware of that. And it may be the case that if there are people who are saying that justice isn't equally applied in our culture, that rights aren't equally applied in our culture, it may be, in fact it will be, that uh, it will sound like whining, like they're exaggerating, like it's just a small group of people making a lot of noise. And you see, as long as that is the case, nothing is done about it. The way that we can honor Martin Luther King, the first step is just to start noticing. What is otherwise invisible to, to people who look like me. Because it doesn't have to be visible. I've got that privilege. I noticed some time ago, a couple months ago, walking into a subway, and there's a large African-American man in front of me, and I was behind him. And I just noticed how people looked at him different than they looked at me. I don't have to worry about people being afraid of me when I walk into a subway. He does. You see, and to just begin to notice that sort of thing. We began to, about nine years ago, the Lord really laid on our heart. Uh, this, this message uh, as a central part of our vision uh, to be a countercultural uh, kingdom people that are about reversing Babel. The Tower of Babel where the, the people groups were divided and that was the origin of races. And what we understand is that the church is to be the new humanity where those walls are to be coming down. And I honestly thought that as, if I just preached that, uh, on occasion, it would happen. The church would become a preview of heaven and the diversity would be manifested. And it, and it was puzzling to me why that didn't, why it wasn't the case. And I still have a long way to go, but what I know is that the reason I thought it was going to be so easy is because there's a lot of walls that, I, that were invisible to me but are very visible to, to people who don't look, at, look like me. There's a lot of things that I didn't notice, and I'm still just beginning to notice, I think. Um, we've got to begin to notice. Uh, one of the ways this has got to happen is in the body of Christ and outside the body of Christ for, for, for white folks just to become aware of what it is to be white and to begin to listen to people of color, develop relationships with, with people of color and to begin to believe what they say. Could it be that they're telling the truth when they say that justice is not equally applied? What if they're right? And they are. And you begin to listen to that. And then you begin to notice things. And when you begin to notice the walls, now you can begin to do something about the walls. And what I know about Woodland Hills Church is that this is supposed to be a place where the walls come down. Amen? Where those walls are noticed and ripped apart and annihilated and obliterated. We honor Martin Luther King by beginning to notice those sorts of things. We're going in the right direction. I feel good about it, but I know we've got a long way to go. We want to be offering this beginning of this year classes as part of our institute and seminars. Uh, that, that just are about this, to begin to educate us. Because it's not that you're evil or bad or terrible, that, that you really don't know what this is all about. It's just that no one's ever got in your face about it and, 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 and begin to uh, show you what's, what's all going on around you. And I, I'm still in the process of that myself. We want to be offering training on that. I am really honored. I, I, I feel good about Woodland Hills Church. Uh, the, the, we... Got a call this week from Mount Olivet Baptist Church, and they're holding that Martin Luther King breakfast and uh, uh, tomorrow morning. 
And they just called because they were so impressed that a predominantly white church would have so many people call and say, in fact, they, bo- they booked it. It's full. Uh, and, and they're just impressed by that. You see, we say something when we enter into solidarity uh, with churches of color because most don't. And so we want to be about tearing down those walls, praise God. That's what he was about. Another thing that Martin Luther King was about was this. I listened to a clip of, from one of his sermons this week. And he quoted this, this famous poem by... by uh, uh, John Donne, uh, that, that it says, No man is an island. No man is an island. We stand in things together. And when one person dies, a part of all of us die. And when Martin Luther King preached there, he applied it to humanity as a whole. And he says, and it's true, when, when injustice is done to one, justice for all suffers. When one is dehumanized, de- de- all are to some degree dehumanized. Uh, when one is oppressed, all are to some de- degree de- uh, oppressed. So that... Freedom isn't just a black issue or a Hmong issue or a Native American issue. It's a human issue, amen? It's a human issue. It's, it's about all of us. And civil rights isn't just a, a black thing or a Hmong thing. It's, it's, a, it's a people thing. And so we need to be in solidarity with this. The truth of the matter is, and we Western people often miss it, is that we're not just a collection of individuals. Humanity as a whole, there's a unity there. And there's a unity to people groups. And there's a unity to the church. This is what we've been preaching on the last couple weeks. God looks at the church, local churches, and treats them as one person. You read Revelations chapter 2, Revelations chapter 3. God gives a report card of various local congregations as a whole. We're not just a bunch of individuals. We are a whole. We're a corporate person that stands before God. And what it means, among other things, is this. If any one of us is going to hear, and, or hear from the Lord, well done, thou good and faithful servant, as much as we can, we need all of us to be hearing that. We need Woodland Hills Church as a whole to hear that. Our destiny is wrapped up with one another. The social triune God creates a, a, a creation where, where there aren't just individuals, there's relationships, and those things are as real as the individuals that comprise the relationship. We stand or fall together. And what that means simply is this, and we've seen this the last two weeks. We ought to all, whoever is called to this body, if you're spiritually aligned with Woodland Hills Church, if, if, if this is where God calls you to be, you ought to be very invested in how we and what we as a body, as a whole, are doing. Because what we do as a whole, you are a part of. And what you do, we are a part of. You see, we're in this together. And we're evaluated together. So we've been taking a review, uh, doing kind of an inventory here, because the Lord's going to do an inventory on us uh, in, in, in the future, so let's do it now. And ask, how are we doing? And what can we do better? And where are we going? And things of that sort. Now, this has been taking a whole lot longer than I initially thought it would. Uh, This is the State of the Union, State of the Congregation Address Part 3. And you know what? There's going to be a Part 4. Because here's here's what's real. I'm not exaggerating this, but in the the last year, you see, it's it's just been a a blow-back-your-hair kind of a year. We have as far as I can tell, about doubled the amount of ministry that we're doing. It's just been, since moving into this building, things have exploded. And um, uh, as, I, as I look over all these ministries, it's just like we, the people need to hear and see what is going on. And so I've been taking my time going through the various ministries. There's a lot of folks here right now in this congregation for whom you think that what Woodland Hills Church is primarily about is, is a sermon and, and, and a worship service. But that's not even close to being the case. That's just the tip of the iceberg. And so I want to take the time to kind of go through these various ministries. 
Part of it is so that you know what we're doing. Part of it is so we can evaluate how we're doing. Part of it is so that we can feel we can all enjoy uh, what's being done, what's being accomplished, because we, we all are a part of it. Part of it is so that we can get more ownership of it. I want everyone who's spiritually called to Woodland Hills Church to feel a sense of ownership and therefore responsibility for what goes on. Part of it is so that you just know uh, what you're giving is towards. When we sacrificially uh, pool our resources, what does it accomplish? And so this is all part of what we're doing as we're going through this review. Uh, We've talked about the reaching up ministries. We've talked about the reaching in ministries. And we're going to be talking about the reaching out ministries. I first want to talk uh, about the final reaching in ministry. Reaching in is about taking care of the body of Christ, building the body of Christ. We've talked about discipleship. We've talked about community. We've talked about prayer, our prayer and deliverance ministry. The one that we haven't yet talked about, and I'll start with this, is the care ministry. I'm going to go through the care ministry and then I'll deal with a few reaching out ministries, overseas missions and networking. The care ministry is basically this. This last year we brought on Kevin uh, Calligan and uh, he's formed a team around him because we believe everything should be done as a team. And his main objective is to uh, help Woodland Hills Church function like one body in terms of of us taking care of of one another. It says this in the the book of James. James chapter 2. Uh, If a brother or sister is naked and lacks daily food, and one of you says to them, Go in peace, keep warm and eat your fill. God loves you. And yet you do not supply their bodily needs. What is the good of that? I love James is just kind of raw. He just cuts to the point. I, I love it. So faith by itself, if it has no works, it's dead. It's a dead faith. It, it's really not genuine faith at all. God loves you. Oh, I wish you the best. <laughs> Have a good day. Uh, cheap words. I don't know about you, but I, I believe that, that the church on the whole talks too much and does too little. Uh, words are very cheap. Hallelujah. God's going to bless you today. Well, see, if you really mean that, you're open to the possibility that you're to be the blessing for that person that God wants to use to bless them. And uh, if, if uh, your words have meaning, then we have to be able to get behind it. We want to be a church that doesn't just talk about it. I, I really get tired of the talk about it. But it's gotta be, there's got to be a reality to it. So much of, of the unbelief in the culture comes because people are tired of talk. And what they want to see is walk. Uh, what they want to see is reality. And so we want to be a congregation that em- begins to embody what we talk about. We also be, got to be a congregation that manifests to the world what we talk about. And I'll be dealing with that next week. But right now, it, it, it's about the body of Christ. The early church took care of itself. They demonstrated love for one another by meeting each other's needs. You read Acts chapter 2. And when a person had a need, a person who had extra met that need. It was a matter of, of, of the body ministering to the body. That's what it means to be a body. When my foot is aching, my whole body does what it can to take care of that foot. Because we, we stand or fall together. And so this is what the body of Christ is all about. So there's two areas of ministry that the care uh, uh, have in place, the care ministry has in place, to begin to meet the needs of the body. The first is what's called link ministries or linking ministries. And these are about linking people with needs with, uh, with people who can, can meet those needs. And there's several of them that I'm just going to run through very quickly. There's the Helping Hands Ministry. And these are just people that will help out around the house. They, uh, you know, if you're in a situation where you need a ride, there are people who are available for that. Um, if uh, your car is broken down, we've got people here who, this is their ministry. This is as much ministry as preaching is. They'll come over and in Jesus' name help fix your car. 
and uh, things like that. It, it, it's, they're just helping out, you know, however we can. Then there's the uh, Meals of Love ministry, and these are just people who will come over, and when a, when a person is pregnant or, or uh, sick or laid up for any other reason, uh, a family you know, just can't, they, they come over and help out by cooking a meal or, or doing that for a week or so. Uh, the, the Meals of Love ministry. There's the um, Food Connection, which is about helping people whose week is longer than their paycheck. And that happens increasingly to people at Woodland Hills Church where it's just like, you know what, we don't have enough to feed our family. And that's part of what we give to, we, we pull our resources for, is to help people in those situations out. Uh, there's the exchange, which is a ministry that's just sort of like this. You've got something that you don't need to tell the church about it. Someone who then needs it gets it. You've got an extra couch. There's people who don't have a couch. We put the two together. It's the body meeting the needs of the body. And then there's this touch of love ministry that Jim Winter is in charge of. And these are just folks who, who go to the hospital, visit the sick, visit shut-ins, senior citizens in the body of Christ, and things like that. And there's volunteers here who, uh, who are, that's part of their ministry. They, they do that sort of thing. Uh, most of these have, have come about in the last year. We're just getting some of these off the ground. If you feel called to participate in some of these ministries, I encourage you to call uh, Kevin Calligan and, and begin to get plugged into this. Um, if you need one of these ministries, we encourage you to call the church and, and let us know about that. They especially tell me that, that I need to emphasize to men that it's okay to call. Um, there's men in the congregation that we've learned of that have needs, but they're, they're, they're embarrassed to call. Now, this is a confidential thing. No one else needs, needs to know about it. But, uh, guys, it's not unmacho to ask for help. If, if it's unmacho... Non-macho, anti-macho, what would be the word? Uh, Macho-lessness? I don't know. If it's, if it's unmacho to, or unmasculine to ask for help, then I am the world's most effeminate man. Because, you see, when you're incompe- as incompetent at most things as I am, you learn to ask for help really quick. You know, and, and uh, well, someone come over and, and my car is broken, and then they show me where the ignition key is, and it's, it's very helpful. So... And, I encourage you to call in. The other area of, of ministry in, in the care ministry as a whole is, is uh, the, the Kainos Renewal Center. Now, this Kainos means new, uh, rejuvenated. And what this center is about is helping these people walk in the newness, being renewed by their mind, um, walking in their identity in Christ Jesus. Here's, what, here's the foundation for this ministry. God wants us to be free. Amen? To walk in freedom. The Bible says that you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. You shall know the truth. Not just intellectually, but but experientially. And as you know the truth, you're set free. The truth is who you are in Christ. The lie is who you are outside of Christ. And all growth in the kingdom of God, all growth, all healing from psychological and emotional and spiritual wounds is a matter of being transformed by the renewing of your mind. Paul says, don't be any longer conformed to the pattern of this world, the pattern of this fallen world where Satan is called the God of this age. This pattern of lies, the pattern, the systematic indoctrination that we receive from yea high up that is filled with lies about what, who we are, about who God is, about what, what the world is, about what, what is good and about what is evil... Don't be conformed, Paul says, to the pattern of those lies, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. On what? On the truth of who you are in Christ. 
And as you renew your mind on the truth of who you are in Christ, you are set free. The truth of who you are in Christ. We've got a whole sheet out there on the visitor's table about your identity in Christ. And we go over it quite a bit because it's so important. The truth is that in Christ you're more than a conqueror. Amen? The truth is that in Christ you're filled with the Spirit of God. The truth is that that Spirit in you is not a spirit of fear or of timidity, but it's a spirit of power and of love and of a sound mind. It's given to you as a birthright. It's part of your inheritance as a child of God. Uh, the truth is that you are loved with an unsurpassable love. And the Spirit inside you is a spirit of love and a spirit of peace and a spirit of power and a spirit of victory. And uh, that is yours. It's given to you. You already have it. But what's also true is this. Most of us, to some degree, maybe all of us to some degree, don't walk in that fullness. We don't walk in that identity. We've got what the Bible calls strongholds. Paul says that we're to be tearing down strongholds. Anything that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. We're to come against it and to bring every thought captive to Jesus Christ. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3-5. through 5. And so what happens is when we've got strongholds, really strongly rooted lies in our, in, our, in, our, in our psyche or in our heart, then they cause us to limp in the Christian walk rather than running in the Christian walk. We don't walk in the full identity that we have in Christ. We walk in, our, we walk in our confusion. We walk in our rage problem. We walk in our relationship problem. We walk in our fear. We walk in our anxiety. We walk in our phobia. We walk in our addiction. A million other things that we walk in. But God wants us free. Now the thing is this. Getting free isn't as difficult as most people think. And so what we've done is, is taken the best techniques we know of in psychology and the truth of the Word of God, and we've put them together in, in, uh, in, a, in a program that we've developed over about seven years. This has been a vision that's been a long time coming. And uh, uh, we now have volunteers who have taken two years uh, out of their own pocket. We want to eventually have our own training on this. But right now they, they, they uh, uh, go through two years of training to learn how the mind works and to learn how to apply the, the, the truth of the Word of God to set people free. And it's powerful. It's powerful. And so what this, what this Renewal Center is about is volunteers who are open for people to come in and just say, you know what, I'm limping in this area of my life. I'm struggling in this area of my life. I, I, I have trouble with my rage. I have trouble with this relationship or what have you. Now, we're aware of the fact that, that there are issues, there will always be issues that sometimes require professional help. And we thank God for the professional uh, counselors and psychiatrists that He sent to Woodland Hills Church. And part of this renewal center is about referring out uh, to be able to diagnose the, a person and say, you know what, I really think this requires professional help. And we thank God for, for the uh, Christian uh, counselors that, that, that He's given to us, so we refer out. But there's a great many people who either can't afford that or who really don't need that. What they just need is someone who knows a little bit how the mind works to apply the Word of God in their life. So that's, that started about four weeks ago. And in fact, we're getting a, lot of, getting a lot of traffic there, and I praise God for that. Our goal is to develop that. I'd like to have, right now we've got four people uh, who, are, who are volunteering some of their time. I'd like to get professionals who volunteer some of their time to help out in this ministry. I'd like to have a counseling center that's open all day long, that's open to the, to, to the, to the public uh, to come in. You know, there, people out there are full of problems. And if you advertise that we've got this, this counseling, you pay $10, and if you can't afford that, there's a sliding scale. And to come in and let's work on your marriages, let's work on what's going on in your head, and begin to show non-believers the wisdom of the Word of God. 
and show them the power that it has to set people free. That's one of the way you, ways you, we convince them of the truth of who Jesus is. So that's the care ministry. We've come a long way. We've got a long way to go, but it's exciting. My, my conviction is that that ministry is going to be just a huge part of the overall ministry of Woodland Hills Church. Amen. Those are all the reaching in ministries. I want to talk now, transition, left turn, to the reaching out ministries. And these are the ministries that, that we use to impact the world. And the first one I want to talk about are, is our overseas missions. We um, want to be a people who uh, the Lord's given us as part of our niche in the kingdom of God. Our target is St. Paul and the surrounding areas. Okay, that's the bullseye. But we always have to remember that we're part of a, of a universal church and we're, we're a team player. And uh, no, no uh, man is an island, no church is an island, and no state is an island, no country is an island. We're connected to the whole. And so as God leads, this is why our vision statement says we want to uh, advance the kingdom of God against the kingdom of darkness in St. Paul and the surrounding area and to the world as the Lord leads. And so as God raises up people who have got this mission, uh, overseas mission orientation, we say overseas missions because we're all missionaries. It's just that some are called to do it overseas or in another country. As God raises these people up, what the missions ministry is about is coming around them, training them, educating them on this, uh, providing support for them, and helping them follow the, their calling of God in their life to, to make them missionaries. Uh, Steve Schmidt has developed a team around him that is just doing a wonderful job on this. The whole thing is based on verses like Matthew 28, 19, where the Lord says, go into all nations. Everybody say all nations. Make disciples of them, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit. We don't want to be just have a myopic vision. We want to have a broader vision uh, uh, for the kingdom of God. And this is a ministry that is taking off uh, in, in, a, in a breathtaking way. Um, you have to kind of know something about missions to, I think, fully appreciate just, just uh, how significant it is what the Lord's doing through this body. I feel so good about what the Lord's doing in this body. Last year, as of last year, we had eight missionaries that were raised up in Woodland Hills Church, just ordinary folks like you, who just felt the call of God on their life to leave America and go into another country. And most of them are third world countries to people who, who have uh, very little access to the gospel. We've got people in South Africa, Mozambique, India, all over the world, uh, Cambodia. And it, so we had eight missionaries raised up. Now, that was a year ago. As of right now, we have 18 missionaries. Praise God. That's a praise God thing. It's a huge praise God thing. And I don't know if you know how significant... There are some missions organizations, many mission, missionary organizations who do nothing but send out missionaries who don't have that many missionaries that they support. And it's just an, a, a privilege that we have to get behind these folks. And so Steve and his team trains them. Steve's been a missionary for years, and the folks on his team have been very involved in this. And they train these folks and send them out. We support them, part of it by the central budget as we pool our resources, and partly by helping them uh, uh, raise individual connections and develop relationships with other people to raise funds. But there's 18 that we're supporting, and there's more that are being raised that are, that are coming along. So we praise God for that. Another thing we do is we support some ministries uh, overseas uh, and, and in other countries, not all of them are overseas. But uh, we have, for example, three children's homes that, that we as a church body, as a corporate person, we support uh, three children's homes, two in Mexico and one in Haiti. And, and I thank God for that. It's, it's, it's a, it's a God-honoring thing. Another thing we do is we send out, as we just saw this morning, short-term missions trip. 
people who, who uh, get together and they, they just say, you know what, we want, we want to, and they're always with people that we have a relationship with, we want to go and help what's going on there. We want to be a part of what God's doing there. And so we, we make the arrangements and they go over there and do what they can to impact that culture. What also happens is that the people are always impacted by the culture. It's a profoundly life-changing thing. This year, we will be sending out at least, already we have booked 10 uh, short-term missions trips where people are just getting together and, and, and they're going overseas. And we thank God for that. La- that's double what we had last year. God's doing some good things. These are things that are just profound. I just came back from a, uh, a trip to Haiti. Our small group went to Haiti and, and uh, just dealt with some of the, the uh, missions that Woodland Hills Church and Providence Ministry sponsors down in Haiti. There's a strong connection there. And it was so moving to me in a lot of ways, but one of the ways is just how good I felt by what we as a church body are doing. Now, there's a lot more that needs to be done, but I feel good about what we as a church body are doing, and I wanted to share that with you. So you have some ownership about that. We give all the glory to God, but it's good to feel, it's okay to feel good about how you as a group are responding to that. Without God, it wouldn't be possible, and it's our opportunity and privilege to participate in it, but I thank God that we're participating in it. So it went down there, and it's just, to see, to see for example, a, a, several years ago, the pastor's home burned down, and so uh, Providence Ministries helped rebuild that and, and get it back in place, and just to see that, it's like, whoa. We helped do that. Um, there's a number of ministries like that. We, we helped build, uh, dig this well and, and get a pump that this entire village, the village of Labiche, uses. And they drink out of this and they, they wash clothes in it and all sorts of things. But it's, it's, uh, it's something that we helped do. We brought running, or, or uh, there's a house that was down there of some people that were willing to take in some children. And so what we did is there, we, we ha, uh, were in contact with some children who needed a home, uh, and, and uh, these are Christian folks, so they get Christian education and be surrounded in a Christian environment. So Woodland Hills Church uh, took this home and turned it into that home. And that's something that we did on our own. And now there's a bunch of Haitians who live there. These kids live there. And that's something to feel good about. Praise God. It's advancing the kingdom of God. We have brought running water to a, to, to a village. Um, there's not any running water within like 30 miles of this village. So we, through our funds, helped b- build a, a little kind of house that has uh, uh, two sinks and two toilets. Now that's not much to you, but man, it's huge to them. A lot, some of these kids, this is part of a school here, have never seen this before. They just use outhouses. And when we've gone down there before, we've used outhouses. Uh, well, now they've got toilets. Now the toilets don't flush yet because they ran out of money. Uh, but what they do is they just take water from the well that we dug and they bring it over and pour the water down and so it flushes and they're tickle pink at this. You know, so praise God. There's things that, that we are doing. We help support a school down there. This is a Woodland Hills thing, okay? Uh, there are 300 to 350 kids that are going to this Christian school uh, that we are sponsoring. And uh, a lot of these kids come from homes that don't know anything other than voodoo. And now they can come into a Christian environment, they can learn to read, uh, they can learn to write, uh, they can get opportunities they never otherwise would be afforded. And that's part of the kingdom of God. They see the love of Christ demonstrated, and then they believe the word of God when it's preached. And some of this then goes back to the homes, and you have parents coming to the church uh, who have seen the change that it's brought in the kids. We all have a part of that. 
Another thing we want to get involved in this year, if we can, is, is, is part of a food program. There's a ministry, a ministry down here. Uh, there, there's a picture of me with this little girl. We're, we're working in this clinic where there are people from the village that come and, and there's a Christian organization there that just gives a, 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 a fortified drink to, to, to these kids. For some of these kids, this is the, all they get all day. It's just some milk with some vitamins and some fattener in it to give them some nourishment. And uh, we wanted to ask the question, how can we be used to increase what's going on down there and, and to further that? Some of these kids, this little girl here, her mom walked two miles to get to this, and the, the roads are, are it's hard walking, to, in order to, to get her child something to drink. This little girl here, I want to just tell you about her. I don't know her name. But she just won my heart. There's 90 kids in this room. They, they, they teach them a little bit about the gospel. It's kind of like the Salvation Army. Where you're, you know, it's, it's a sermon, soup, you know, kind of thing. You, you, they preach a little bit. They have, lead them in songs. And then they give them uh, a, uh, a meal, this drink. And um, uh, this little girl uh, was here. Her stomach was like a, a pregnant woman, nine months pregnant. It was so bloated and it was so hard. Uh, and her hair is orange. That's why they cover it up. It's kind of an embarrassment to them uh, because that's what malnourishment does. These kids are severely malnourished. Many of them have worms, and I'm told that sometimes if you hold them close, you can actually feel the worms in their stomach. They're that filled with them. Uh, but this is a clinic that supplies food there. The nearest medical clinic is like two, uh, two three hours away, and most of these people don't have any kind of vehicles to go on. And um, so one of the things we're looking at is bringing a medical clinic uh, uh, to, to this location to, to minister to these kids. And see, here's the thing. I get to leave and come home to my nice house, and, and that child doesn't. And that family doesn't, and none of these people do. They're, they're there. That's where they're at. And they, they just try to etch out an existence. And we can't do everything. I'm so aware that we can't do everything. But we can do something for this kid. We can do something for this village, and we can build toilets, and we can feed these folks. That's part of what we're doing here. Uh, this is just one area of the ministry of, of uh, our missions, and I just want you to know that that's part of what you give to when you give to Willow Hills Church. We're doing that. That's part of what we help out with when we go on short-term missions trips. Pray about how God might lead you in a short-term missions trip. Pray about how God might lead you to uh, support one of the missionaries that we have overseas. Pray about how God might get you involved in missions in some other way. We've, we, we've, we've done a lot. I feel good about it. There's a whole lot more that, that we can do. Let me close by talking about this ministry. Ah, can't, it can't be that late. Networking ministry. Lord, make this succinct. Networking ministry is one of our strangest ministries. It involves Chuck Fenrick. Go tell it. We tell children's ministry we're going to be five minutes late. Okay, they like to know that. Okay, with some of the ushers, thanks. Um, the networking ministry is so crucial. I don't want to cut this short, but I have to. But not by much. Uh, I don't, we have brought on Chuck Fenrick, and his primary job, he's a full-time pastor of ours, his primary job is just to network what we do with other churches, to reach out to other churches. Uh, when people hear this, they think it's very, very strange. Uh, what kind of church hires a pastor that doesn't have any kind of direct impact for our church? I mean, you're just there to serve other churches. What kind of weird thinking is that? Well, we call it kingdom thinking. Um, the Bible says this, that a, 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 Jesus taught us that a kingdom divided against itself can't stand. A kingdom divided against itself can't stand. What we can't stand is the kingdom divided against itself. Uh, it, it's, there's too much division, too much competition, not enough networking going on. Now it's easy to say, but what are you going to do about it? 
And so we brought on a person whose job, we want to take a leadership role here, is just to network churches together. Let's find out what we're doing. Let's pray together. Uh, you know, let's see how we can help one another. Let's see how we can bless you and how you can bless us. You know, let's see how we can begin to think like a team and begin to act like a team. And so Chuck uh, is always, it's hard to go to a church in the Twin Cities that doesn't know Chuck. Uh, he's, he's, he's just out there and, and developing relationships. He holds a pastor's luncheon where they get together, uh, churches from St. Paul, and, uh, and they pray together and talk vision together and ask, how can we you know, get on board with one another? It's a very uh, racially diverse group, a very denominationally diverse group. We don't have any Baptist General Conference churches there yet, but it's, it's a group that we really feel like we belong to. There's a lot of churches that don't want to do anything with this, and what can you do about that? But one of the things we see is that God's beginning to, to uh, broaden the vision of people, of pastors, to begin to think outside of your own little niche in the kingdom. Uh, this year has been an incredible year for being used by God to help network the church. We were instrumental, for example, there's a, there's a, a small church, African-American church, that was going into a building program. And they didn't know anything about a building program. How do you do this? Who do you call? What do you need? How do you go about it? Well, we had just gotten done with our building program, and Chuck knows this church because he meets with the pastor. So he says, hey, let us come over and, and help, you know, help you out with this. So we sent over our building team and Bob Cutchell and some of the pastors, and they spent the, the day just working with the pastoral staff about all the things that you're going to need uh, to have in place to do a building program. And it blew their socks away. Why would you care about us? Well, it's because you're part of the body of Christ. And then we're on the same team. We're on the same team. You know your church is our church, and we want to be in line with that. We had a, a, a significant central role in, in, in the uh, Metrodome uh, experience after the World Trade Center catastrophe of 24,000 Christians coming together. And it was just honoring that of the, the seven pastors that led that. Two of them were from Woodland Hills Church, and we were part of what helped tie the whole thing together. And I thank God for that. We had a central role in the anti-KKK rally. Uh, that, that, that happened uh, some time ago. Brian here, next Monday, is going to be holding a free class uh, to whoever wants to come from all the churches in the, in the Twin Cities area on how to make your sound system better and how to work the sound system. He's got 100 people signed up for that. You know, that's a praise God thing. How can we serve you? How can we help you do the church together? Because see, the bottom line is this. Jesus said the world will know that He is for real, for real by the unity of the body of Christ. And part of that's the unity of the local congregation, but part of that's the unity of the church at large. If a kingdom divided against itself cannot stand, who do you think's behind the dividing of the kingdom of God? It's not God. It's the devil. And we can make silly excuses for it. We can rationalize it. We can justify it. We can ignore it. But it's of the devil, and it's time that it comes to an end. Amen? It just ought not to be there. It's got no role. And so what we're about, and this is the central part of our vision, this is the central part of reaching out, is to say we're done with the division. We're sick and tired of the stupid, silly, demonic uh, divisions in the church caused by parochialism, everyone just kind of doing their own thing. We're sick and tired of the church being divided along racial lines. It's got to come to an end now, amen? Tear down those walls. We're sick and tired of the church being divided along economic lines, along the, the urban and the suburban church. Tear it down. We're done with it. We've got to be working to unite the team together. Because it doesn't matter who scores the touchdown. What matters is the touchdown is scored, praise God. Who gets the credit? It doesn't matter. Who, who gets the attention? It doesn't matter. We're tired of the church being divided along nitpicky, stupid, demonic, doctrinal lines. You know what, that little girl on that picture there, she just really doesn't care what your view of predestination is. She really doesn't care what your philosophy on foreknowledge is. What she wants is a glass of milk. And the church can do that. 
if we take the time to major in the majors and minor in the minors. I'm not saying doctrine's not important, but you've got to have some kind of perspective here. And there are lives that are at stake, and there are eternal souls that are at stake. We can't afford to be shooting at each other. It's time to start building uh, bridges and, and connecting links to other churches rather than building a more walls between them. And so a part of our heart, the central part of our heart, is to be a team player. Team player, what can we do to help the church get along? You know what? And, and what we do for, it's like no man is an island, no church is an island. And, and, and what, what hurts you hurts us. And what blesses you blesses us. And we just want to be involved in bringing that together. Praise God. I thank God. I just thank God to be part of a movement that's doing that. It feels good. It, 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 it's right. And it's going to be the key to God pouring out His Spirit here in the Twin Cities. He loves unity. He loves you. That's why we, we host Heart of the Cities ministry on Sunday nights. I encourage you all to come. They're going to have a CD. they got a new CD, and they're going to be having a party over it tonight. Uh, it's, just about, it's just about saying, we just say, come here. You know, we're, we're, your vision's our vision. Have our auditorium. And uh, we celebrate the Lord there. I've got to end with this. Every believer, close your eyes. I'd like to give an invitation. Anyone here want to join a radical countercultural, uh, uh, sold-out, abandoned kingdom of God thing that's changing the world? It's a matter of confessing Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And He made it so easy. It takes eight seconds, but it makes an eternity of a difference. Are you here this morning and you've never made the decision to believe in Jesus Christ? Would you just raise your hand? It's not about a church thing. It's not about a good deed-doing thing. It's about you surrendering your heart to Jesus. The Bible says if you believe with your mouth and confess, if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, that Jesus is Lord, you shall be saved. If, if anybody here at all, just raise your hand, and I'm just I'm not going to call you forward. I just want to pray for you from right up here. We'll all pray together. Just raise your hand real high. Anybody here at all? I'll wait another moment. Just raise your hand if you want to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. I would just feel terrible if I didn't give people that chance to do that. Okay, I'm going to pray and hope that everybody here is a believer. And so, as the prayer team comes forward, let me close with this prayer. Heavenly Father, we are just so excited and blessed by what you're doing in our midst. Lord, we give you all the glory. It's all about you. This isn't a social agency, Lord. It's about glorifying Jesus Christ. And we are honored, Lord, and blessed, a blessed people to be a part of this. Father, we pray that you would continue the vision, make it hot, make it burning, make it fiery, make it passionate in our, in our souls, every one of us, Lord. I pray, God, you'd increasingly cause us to sacrificially think of us as a whole rather than as individuals and build your vision and build your kingdom in us and through us to a world that desperately needs you. And as we go out of this place right now, in Jesus' name, I pray God's anointing on us to do the work that he calls us to do, great or small, wherever it may be, in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. We love you. If you're interested in me about Jesus Christ, in the back of the room we have a table. You can find out about how to become a believer there. If you have any needs whatsoever that you'd like to have prayed for, we have a prayer team up here. Feel free to come forward. We love you guys. Good to have you on board. See you next week.